You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 124. It was the moment that I was offered money to make a cake that I realized that this was a business. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. If you are a gifter, baker, crafter, or maker, and you own your own brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today I have joining us Rebecca Wilbur. Rebecca is the editor of America Cake Decorating Magazine, and she owns her own business called Rebecca Naomi Cake Design. Her greatest professional achievement as a cake decorator is creating a 14-tier cake for the wedding of Kristen Jarvis West. Kristen was the chief of staff to Michelle Obama, and both the first lady and the first daughter were in attendance and enjoyed a piece of Rebecca's masterpiece. Rebecca is also a trained musician and has taught both piano and saxophone. Shortly, we'll hear how she made that leap to become a cake artist. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hi, thanks for having me on the show, Sue. It's great to be here, so very excited to talk to you. Fabulous. And I like to start off our conversation in a little bit of an untraditional way, and that is by having you describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to pick a color that you just always have gravitated to and some type of a quote or a motto or something that leads how you feel about life in general, I guess I'll say, what would your candle look like? What would be the color and what would be the quote? So I have always gravitated to the color blue and a lot of my cakes are actually <laughs> blue. <laughs> so, Or I would say the ones that have been very successful for me have been blue. So I think my candle would be blue. It, it sort of feels harmonious to me, calming, and that's the creative space that I'm in when I'm cake decorating. Mm -hmm. So definitely it would be blue. And in terms of a quote, I guess a motto that I've lived by is that you don't wait for opportunity, you create your own opportunity. Love that. Yeah, that's the motto of my cake decorating career, both when I was a hobbyist and when I turned it into a business. We're so fortunate now. We live in a time when we don't have to sit back and wait for someone to discover us. If we just are brave enough, you know, get that courage going and present ourselves out there, we can form our own path. We don't have to sit back like we all felt it used to be. You had to wait to be discovered. And you're just sitting there back, crossing your fingers and, you know, had no control. So I think that quote is really, really great for this day and age. So, and it also leads us perfectly into... What I want to talk about first, which is what led you into baking and cake decorating? Well, I've always, and I think a lot of artists feel the same way, creativity is something that is part of our core being. So no matter what we do in life or what career path we choose, we are always gravitating towards creative art and as a means of expression. It's almost like a need rather than something that we choose to do. It's something that we absolutely have to do. So basically, to cut a very, very long story short, when I moved to the States in my early 20s, I'm from the UK, and I had emigrated here to get married. 
I was unable to work for a period of time because I didn't have the visa to be able to pursue any sort of career. I was fortunate I was on Cape Cod at the time and I was living with my in-laws because my husband and I had not yet, you know, gotten to the point of me getting a job or even a driver's license. And I had a lot of sort of very lonely days and I ended up baking as a means to pass the time. And I loved it. I was very passionate about it. And I really enjoyed sharing some of the recipes that I had from back home with my new family. And then when we obviously we moved out and I did have a job. But when my daughter was born, again, I took some time away from my career, which at the time was I was a resume writer for the U.S. Air Force. And I just started baking again. And I think it was when I made her first birthday cake that I sort of really started to look at cake decorating as an art form. And I enjoyed making artistic cakes and seeing that as a creative avenue. So you saw that this was something you really enjoyed spending your time doing. At what point then did you think, well, I can actually start making money on this too? It was a very slow progression. I mean, I think a lot of business owners have the same story in a way, especially in the creative field. You do something and you realize you're good at it. You realize that you enjoy it. I think basically what happened was as time went on and I was making more and more cakes, I would have friends that would come up to me and say, hey, you know, my son's turning three next month. Would you be able to make a cake for the birthday party? And I started making cakes for friends and family. I wasn't charging them at the time. I was still looking at this as a hobby. And it was the moment that I was offered money to make a cake that I realized that this was a business. It was always something that I envisioned I could do from home, something I could make my own hours with. I could set my own schedule. I could be my own boss. I mean, those were always things that had appealed to me. And so it was kind of a natural fit, really. So was it one of your friends who had said, I'll even pay you for it? Yeah, friends started to want to pay me because I was doing more and more elaborate cakes. Because they wanted to come back to you again and again. (laughs) They realized the amount of effort that went into making those creations. So they started offering to pay me. And looking back, you know, obviously back then I wasn't really accepting a huge amount of money. And things have changed in that respect. Sure. It was the mentality of realizing that I was creating a product that could be sold. So assigning a dollar value to your gift, to your talent does that. So what types of things did you need to do? Now you've identified that, all right, the blinkers went on. This could be a business, not just even accepting money, but like a real true business. What types of steps did you take then to actually turn it from being a hobby, even a hobby where people were paying you a little bit on the side, to being a real business? What steps did you need to take to do that? There were an awful lot of steps that were taken over the course of many years, and it was sort of like you learn as you go along. Initially, in the beginning, I realized that I needed to have a presence, and people needed to be able to find me outside of my circle of friends. So, of course, I did cultivate word-of-mouth relationships, but I needed a brand. So I looked into branding myself, naming my business. Those are kind of initial steps. And then, of course, looking at the legal aspects surrounding having a home-based bakery. It was doing an awful lot of research and trying to connect with people online that were in similar situations to me and seeing what their stories were 
could gain perspective and see what my next steps could be. Oh, so did you join some type of a group with other bakers who were all over the country or something like that online? I actually conveniently had a friend who was in the UK who I'd gone to school with who was following a very similar journey to me. She was also a cake decorator and she was looking to start a business and I was sort of looking at her and being motivated by what she was doing. And I think it brought out the competitive aspect in me because it stopped me from just sort of plodding along on this journey to sort of getting focused and setting myself goals. And I saw that she had joined various cake decorating groups where people were sharing advice, sharing their work. And I followed suit and did the same thing. I saw her brand her business. She designed a logo. She had a great name. I mean, all of these things were sort of like a blueprint or a map for me to be able to implement those things myself. Yeah. And I think having an accountability partner like that, you don't want to fall short. I'm sure it probably helped prompt you to keep going too. Not only showing you the path, but okay, if she's doing it, I can do it. Definitely. I do recall I was sitting at home in my basement and I'd recently, I think that weekend, done a couple of cakes for some friends. And I had a Facebook page because everyone in this industry has a Facebook page. Even if you're not a business, even if you're a hobbyist, you want to be able to share your work with others. It's a badge of honor. It's something you take great pride over. And she had a Facebook page and I was looking at her page and seeing she had 400 likes and people were starting to review her business. And I remember thinking, well, I need to step this up. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, right? A little bit of a push there. Yeah, a push, a competitive push. But those things motivated me, not out of a sense of wanting to be better than her, but making me realize exactly what you said. If she can do this, I can do this. And forging ahead and making myself meet these goals that I was creating for myself on a daily basis. And you know, there's nothing that says we have to do this alone. I was hearing the other day, and I believe this, that pretty much everything has been created already, unless you're going to be making the brand new version of iPhone or something like drones or, you know, whatever it is. But a lot of the things that we're doing have been done before, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I love that you talk about the fact that you went out and searched for people who have either already done it or are doing it already. It makes things so much easier. And it's not cheating. Would you agree, Rebecca? It's not cheating. No, it's not cheating. A lot of the people that are in, I call it a community because I feel like I'm part of a community of cake decorators. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us are business owners. But one thing I found is people are very willing to share They're willing to share their experiences, good and bad, to help others that are coming up to avoid making those mistakes. And there are a lot of mistakes that businesses make, and they're always willing to offer advice. Especially a business like yours, too, because it's mostly local. There's no way you're going to be carrying a 14-tier cake through the mail, sending it through the mail or something. Right. To a point. To a point. But so the point being that you're really not competing with a lot of the people that are in your community if you're in different areas of the country. Yes, we're not competing. And funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually very connected with the local bakers that are in my immediate vicinity and those that are what you would traditionally call competitors because I see them as a network. We're a network of people that are all trying to do something similar And honestly, I always have believed that you build each other up 
and you do that by supporting one another and you know I think in terms of my competition locally I've befriended them because if I am not able to do an order or to make a cake and I'm able to give them business then they're also able to do the same thing for me we're able to refer people to one another and also I mean I'm a small business if I'm not able to make a cake then what happens to the client and I've been fortunate there's only been one instance in the last five years where I've been unable to fulfill an order but I actually came down with a very bad flu a few years ago and I was scheduled to do a wedding cake and I was unable to make it and I was able to reach out to this network of bakers and ask them to pick up the order for me last minute and to take that pressure away from the bride. So I think networking locally is extremely important for the growth of your business. I love that you brought that up too, because I think there is enough business for everybody. And your point about how you were able to, even though you weren't able to service that wedding cake, you were able to call upon your local community to help is servicing the customer. And in the end, that's the most important thing. And would you say then that that person would still come back to you probably first? So you're not really losing the business long term. Yes. And ultimately, even if the customer doesn't come back, I still got an excellent review and I was able to satisfy the needs of that customer and they were very happy. And ultimately, that's what my business should be about. Absolutely. So you referenced a little bit back that the journey in building and growing a business is not without its struggles. Can you tell us something that was really, really challenging as you were building and growing and what you did about the situation? There's a lot of things. I think In relation to me being a creative individual, when you turn a hobby into a business, you change your hobby because you're meeting the needs of a client. You're no longer just doing things for the joy of doing them. And that was a challenge because at first I got an awful lot of satisfaction from creating birthday cakes and celebration cakes. But after you've made 15 you know, Disney frozen cakes in three months, (laughs) you start to lose the motivation and (laughs) it becomes almost, you resent it in a way. That's something that's difficult to get past. And I eventually had evolved my business so that I was able to do more creative projects, but it certainly took time to do that. So I think that's one of the obstacles for sure. And secondly, I would say it's about another problem would be growth in terms of pricing. When you start out, most people vastly undervalue themselves and undercharge. Oh, you are so right. This creates a huge problem, not just for your own business, but for other businesses as well, because you bring down the market value, especially in your area. And that creates problems for others in the industry. This is a good point. And Gift Biz listeners, I want you to really think about this in relationship to what you're doing, because I think in the beginning, we'll have a tendency to say, well, we're just learning. You know, we're just learning this business part of it, because everybody here who's listening probably is an expert at their craft. You're actually making, if it's baking, if it's creating jewelry, whatever it is. But you kind of forget about when you start transitioning over in the beginning to selling that the value of your time, the value of all your products, the fact that you need margin. And it is so much harder to increase your prices later than the command the correct price in the beginning. I do think people undervalue themselves. And also one common mistake that people 
particularly in my industry, make I'm not sure if it's the same for other industries, but they seek advice and they will ask others, well, what do you charge? And they're looking at it the wrong way because there are so many different factors at play, location, what clients you're targeting, et cetera, the cost of ingredients in your area or the cost of products in your area. So they're looking at others as a model rather than looking at themselves and saying, okay, what does it actually cost me to make this product? What should a healthy profit margin be? And then compiling a price list from that. Got it. So I think people don't have the experience to self-analyze and figure out what their pricing structure should be. And so what would you say to somebody? I mean, you obviously can't be so out of whack with the norm, right? You have to be somewhat within a certain range. I think it depends. Obviously, for me, I did do some market research. I called around other bakeries to see what the average price was for an eight-inch cake, et cetera, or a three-tier wedding cake. But ultimately, as I grew my business, I came to realize that I was creating a very highly specialized product, and I stopped comparing myself to others. So I think it depends on the product you're creating and your journey. But certainly in the beginning, you would want to establish yourself competitively with those around you. So explain to us a little bit what you were just talking about in terms of a highly specialized product. What does that mean? Well, I guess the way that I look at it is I give the analogy of the fashion industry. You have people that you have, you know, stores, chains that create great clothes and, you know, they fit the need. And then you have the high end haute couture you know, designers that are creating custom, one-of-a-kind, very highly specialized pieces that people are willing to pay more money for. And that's kind of how I see myself in relation to this industry. The cakes that I make are very, I think, very highly specialized. They take a lot of time. The techniques are quite advanced. The ingredients are very high quality. It's a bespoke service and a bespoke product. I would also think that as you've developed your business and the clientele that you now have, such as doing the wedding cake for Kristen, right, and now the connection with the Obama family just through that, that you're able to command a little bit of a higher price because a bride is able to say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. I got my wedding cake from the same person who makes so-and-so-and-so. And when your reputation gets bigger, your brand gets more known, then you can also command a higher price that way. Definitely. You're not just selling your product any more than you're selling yourself. Why would anyone buy a pair of Jimmy Choo's? It's a great product, but you also want to just own a pair of Jimmy Choo's. I think it's the same kind of crossover analogy to where I hope to grow my business and that my name has value to it, has a dollar value attached to it in a sense. Which all goes back to the brand then too. Yes, your brand. Being very clear on your brand, the audience that you're looking at approaching right from the beginning so that you can start making headway right away in terms of your reputation. Yeah, I mean, in the industry, a lot of people will ask me, how do you get high-end wedding clients? And I'll go to their website and their website's covered in cute birthday cakes. And I'll say, well, you really have to dress for the job you want. If you want to make high-end wedding cakes and someone goes to your website and they're not seeing high-end wedding cakes, they're not going to book those things. So you really have to represent the product that you want to create. Even if you don't have that clientele at the moment, you know, there are things that you can do to brand yourself to capture those clients. 
And that goes through with exactly what you're saying. You want to dress the part. You want all your social platforms to look the same. It has to be the same vibe going through everything. So your website, your social media sites, when people see you in person, all of it has to be the same because if people see that it looks different, then a level of trust goes down. So something for all of us to always be remembering is that we're having the same feel and the same touch. And that goes with colors and wording and everything throughout every touch point, including answering the phone, taking orders, the whole thing, every touch point along the way. So what would you say, and we're still with your business, because I want to get onto the magazine in a second, but is there something that you're doing that you see really helps move the needle in terms of bringing in business? Well, I definitely use social media a lot. And certainly I think for businesses now, social media, marketing and advertising, and even just having a presence is extremely important to the growth of your business. For me, working with brides, the majority of brides that I'm dealing with are millennials. And this generation has a different approach to how they view businesses. They immediately gravitate to social media and they want to be able to talk with you via social media. They don't necessarily want to pick up the phone to establish first contact. They might look up your business via Instagram or they may look up your business via Facebook. So I definitely think social media is one area that I've optimized to grow my business. And are you saying, are Facebook and Instagram your strongest platforms? Definitely Facebook is my strongest platform. And I would say in the last year, Instagram has definitely grown exponentially. So I'm reaching a lot more clients through Instagram and Facebook now. What about Pinterest? Pinterest, a little bit. (laughs) It's funny. I will get contact from other bakers via Pinterest where a bride has seen one of my cakes on Pinterest and taken a picture of it to a baker and then they'll source it back to me and they'll call me or they'll message me and say hey my bride has fallen in love with this design can we do a version of it or can we use it etc so Pinterest has definitely been a tool for me to connect with the industry but not so much with brides specifically. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, the business comes from all different places, right? (laughs) It does. Yeah. Let's talk now about how you got involved with the magazine. How did that all start out? Well, I had been a cake decorator, a cake artist in the community for several years, and I had reached out to American Cake Decorating Magazine in that time to offer to make tutorials for them or to write editorial pieces. And over the course of a few years, I had sort of established a relationship with them as a contributor. Of course, the reason I did that was because it was always a bucket list thing for me to be published. And I think it is for a lot of businesses. It's sort of like you feel like you've made it when you've been published. So I got in touch with the magazine and the editor at the time was a lady called Susan Schultz and asked her if she'd be interested in featuring some of my work and it kind of grew from there and you did one project and that went really well and then you were offered another opportunity and it grew and grew and grew so that's how i became involved with the magazine and what's your position now with the magazine i'm the managing editor of the magazine now that's pretty cool yeah i love the job it goes back to the quote on your candle is you didn't sit back and wait and hope that someone would approach you, you approached them. Yes, I had wanted this 
like I said, it was a bucket list thing. It was a goal, a life goal to be published. And I just did some research and found the appropriate contact. And of course, it's nerve wracking because you are terrified of being rejected. Sure. And this is something I take into consideration now when people contact me for publication features. If they aren't quite where they need to be for publication, I will always work with them and give them advice on what they can do to reach that level. I'm pretty involved in helping people to achieve those dreams and facilitate those life goals. Once you then were published, did you see a change in the way people would approach you, a difference in the quality or the pricing you could offer, that kind of thing? So what you were anticipating would happen, did it actually happen? Yes, it did. Especially when I was published in bridal magazines, bridal publications, it sort of validated my business. And I was able to use that as promotional tools on my website and online, and also to include those images in my portfolio which were impressive to brides and also validated my price point. And so important. I mean, you are doing upper-end cakes, obviously, and not only is it the price that they're spending, just the money that they're putting out, but it's the event. Like, you can't redo a wedding cake if your wedding cake doesn't taste good or isn't pretty. You have to land it each and every time because an event is a one-time event. So having that credibility in terms of who you've done cakes for in the past and then being written up, I'm sure, number one, allows you to get the price points that you do and also gets you more business because people want to go with someone that they know has the credentials, plain and easy. If someone is listening right now and thinking, oh my gosh, I never thought about that before. This is something that I should be doing. They first need to find out who it is that they should be making contact with, but then what do you say? What's the approach? In terms of publication? Uh Uh-huh. They usually will message me, and a lot of the messages are sort of the saying, you know, I would love to be featured in the magazine, and they usually will send me some pictures of their cakes. But I would suggest to anyone who's interested in doing this is first find the appropriate person that you need to send your information to. Make sure that you address them by name in the email. Make sure that your email is clean and concise and free of typographical errors. (laughs) (sighs) And include links to your website, your social media platforms, and some really good images of your takes that have been previously unpublished or not featured anywhere in, let's say, you know, a popular blog or something like that. So you're looking for unique photos then, for sure? Certainly photographs that have not been previously published. And are you getting a lot of requests? Yes, I get a lot of requests. I probably get anywhere between 10 and 50 a week of people that want to be featured in the magazine in some capacity. So it's a lot of contributors or potential contributors and a lot, obviously, there's a lot of very, very talented people in the industry. So that's exciting. How do you choose? I try to include as many people as possible. We feature between 50 and 70 contributors in every single issue. And we publish six issues a year. So if we are not able to feature them in print, I will try to feature them online. I will try to feature them in our newsletter. So I'm always trying to find a way to be able to give them the exposure that they're looking for. Giving back to the industry. 
That's wonderful. Jumping back just one more time now back to the cake business because I want to make sure that we bring this in. Customer service with your business. What types of special things do you do? I would suggest that the more pricey the product, the higher level of customer service you would probably need to have. What types of things do you do so that people will want to come back to you again and order again, apart from the fact that the product has to be fabulous? Well, I invested quite a lot of money in my marketing products. So for example, I don't just have a business card, I have a brochure. And I usually take these with me to networking events or I don't do that many cake shows anymore but I've done a couple and I will take some to the cake show and mm-hmm. I've invested in marketing products for cake shows you know nice backdrops clean banners all of my products are branded and so like you said there's cohesion in every aspect of my business and it's still pretty much just me I don't have a huge team of people But obviously, in terms of dealing with clients, it's about being very responsive and having a professional tone to everything that you do, whether it's an email, even if it's a message via Facebook. You're not talking to a friend here, you're talking to a potential client. So even though the platform itself is informal, your approach to that client should not be. Good point. And that's something you need to remember. Yeah. And are you seeing people are reaching out to you now in all different ways? Email, Facebook messages, all different types of things. Yes, definitely. And particularly with Facebook, I mean, my business, I will get messages at two o'clock in the morning, at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, it sounds insane, but, you know, if you're a bride and you're planning a wedding and you happen across someone's Facebook page and you get excited, you're going to reach out to them. So I will usually get requests at odd times and odd hours particularly on the weekends. And I would say that if you are not equipped to work during the weekend or at those odd hours, which we're not, make sure that you have a response set up so that your client is not just left in the dark. They know that you will be getting back to them within a certain time frame, and make sure that you do that and you follow up with them. So it's important to plan for those things. Absolutely. So what do you do if you get a Facebook message at two o'clock on Saturday morning? So if I get a message at two o'clock in the morning, obviously I'm not going to be online, but I have my messaging in Facebook set up to send out an automatic response. It actually has my logo and branding on it. It's very polite and it will tell them that I will reach out to them. If, If it's Saturday, it would be on Monday. And then as soon as I can on Monday, I will reach out to them again personally and try to establish contact so that I can talk to them over the phone because I do not like to conduct all my business via email or via message. I like to have a phone-to-phone conversation with my clients so that I can get to know them and we can establish a rapport and a relationship straight away. It feels more personable to me to be able to do that. It's important to me. Right. And using that example that we were just talking about, they know then, even just if it's an automatic response, that there's been some action on your end. You know, they're just not putting a message out into this abyss, you know, but they've heard something back. And so that I think would appease people. And clearly everyone understands not being around on Sundays. Right. In terms of meeting with clients, because obviously it's a challenge, especially if you have a home business to meet with clients. My home is not equipped to host clients and I conduct my business from the home in terms of I make cakes here. So it's not clean and spotless 24 hours a day. 
it's clean, of course, but there's usually baking going on and it's a little haphazard to host clients in that type of environment. And so I have an established relationship with a beautiful bed and breakfast that is within close proximity of my business. And I host tastings there usually once or twice a month throughout the summer. And then let's say once every couple of months throughout the winter time. And I book clients at time slots to meet me at bed and breakfast. It provides a professional atmosphere, professional setting to conduct the tasting. And it allows me to be able to more adequately manage those clients and group them together so that I'm not throwing time away here and there, booking one client one week and one client another week. I can bake all of my samples and meet with the clients in one day. Right. Perfect. And that sounds like a beautiful setup because it also sounds right in line with your upscale branding. You're not meeting at a coffee shop either. You're meeting in a nice setting. So that sounds great. What You were talking a little bit earlier about networking events. What are you doing in that regard? I'm involved quite heavily in a group here in Virginia called the Virginia Wedding and Event Network. And it's a VAWE. And I'm a member. It's a paid membership. And it's a very broad network of wedding professionals. It's not cake specific. But I'm able to connect with professionals across all aspects of this industry. And it's been a great resource for me. So I very much enjoyed being a part of that group. So professional networks within your industry versus a chamber of commerce or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we have local meetups. We'll meet up at restaurants. We'll do a business card exchanges. And I've been able to participate in things like styled shoots by the Virginia Wedding and Event Network. So... Rebecca, let's talk a little bit about how you work your normal day. You're baking at home and you're in a very similar situation that I hear all the time is the more business you get in, the more you're making work for yourself. You're the one making the cakes. You've decided that you want to keep it for the most part a one woman show, which is wonderful. I mean, we're so lucky to be able to have that choice. Bigger is not always better in terms of more volume. You're also doing the magazines. You've got a couple of things going on now. Is there something that you could share that's a tool or something that you're using all the time that keeps everything, I guess I would say, just keeps you in control? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about time saving and streamlining things. So in terms of managing my business, I have a schedule. I mean, it sounds like a simple tool, but it's very effective. I know what my daily tasks are. I know what my weekly tasks are. I know what my monthly tasks are. And I implement software, certainly, that's able to help me to manage that. What are you using? For social media, I use Hootsuite because I'm able to operate different platforms simultaneously. It's a great tool for being able to look at your analytics and see where you're resonating and what clients you're reaching and how effective your marketing strategies are. And in terms of my home life, I have a SharePoint system set up. So this is something I'm fortunate. My husband works in IT and he's able to design these things. So he created a system for me that helps me to manage both of my businesses. And that's called a SharePoint system. So that's something that's unique to you that you have yourself. It's a database that he created for me to be able to manage all of my clients. I can auto-generate emails. I can auto-generate invoicing. It's linked to my PayPal account. It's sort of all about streamlining my business operations. 
And then what do you do to stay up to date with your industry? I think I already know since you're involved with the magazine, but is there something that you do in addition to all the articles and all of the information that goes through the magazine so that you stay current within your industry? Yeah, I think what happens, it operates two ways. In some ways, we're creating the new trends because, like I said, it kind of filters down from the top. And a lot of the things that I do, because they're so custom, it's dictated by the brides and certainly things that are trending within the fashion industry and within the wedding industry. I do a lot of research myself. I'm always looking on Pinterest and trying to be abreast of the latest trends and it's really important to do that research yourself as well, I would say, and make sure that you are meeting the needs of the client. One thing that I like to do is I like to look um, at Pantone, the Pantone website for the colors mm-hmm. of the year. It helps me to know what the upcoming trending palettes are. And I'll usually create cake displays that are obviously the foam inside, but they allow me to take photographs of those and then use them for promotion and marketing when I want to reach 2018 and 2019 brides. So I'm always looking to do research. Yeah. All right. Really great. And then is there any advice if someone is in a spot that you were in way back when, or some of these new people who are coming and, you know, want to get recognized within your magazine, is there any advice you'd give to someone who's just starting out? They're just getting on their way. They maybe not haven't taken the first step yet. They've been thinking about it, but they just haven't gotten started yet. Okay. If you're thinking about starting a business and you're a hobbyist and you're quite good at your craft and you're at that point where you think, okay, I could turn this into a business. I would say one thing that I did that facilitated me to be able to do that easily was investing in a good camera. It's something that people don't really think of but it's something that you can easily do and honestly I always tell people that when I invested in a good quality camera it transformed my business because ultimately you're selling a product but at the end of the day all you're left with is an image of that product and being able to capture great images of your product will grow your business and help you reach new clients and you can use those to promote your business to create a website to get published, to do all of those things, it really comes back to being able to capture good images of your work. And you know, people will say to me, well, I could hire a photographer. Well, you could hire a photographer, but that's a big business expense. And can you honestly hire a photographer every single time you make a new product, every single time you make a new cake? I certainly can. And being able to I guess, take control of my own marketing has given me a huge amount of freedom. So now every single time I create a cake, I can capture the images of the cake and I can use those images to create additional revenue streams. So I can, this is more specific to my industry, but I can create tutorials, for example, that I could sell. So I'm not just selling the cake, I'm selling how I made the cake. And I'm using the images to promote my business to future clients. And I'm using the images to grow my website. And I'm blogging about what I've done. So I'm bringing in an audience through blogging. So I guess having a good camera is a good step. (laughs) 
it sounds like it's a really basic step, but when you go through and you start defining why, it really comes to life. It really makes sense. And the whole idea that you're presenting, I think is so important too, and a really great idea in terms of being able to show people how it's done, because then you can take the pictures step by step by step. And like you're saying, building something that you can sell that you're not having to make over and over again. Because once you've got that guide, tutorial, video, whatever format it comes in, once that's done, you can sell it over and over again. Yeah, and we're a super, super visual industry. I mean, if you work in the creative arts field, it's a visual industry. And if you're passionate about cake decorating, you're passionate about card making, it's not a far stretch to become passionate about photography, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Something else to be creative with, you know. (laughs) There you go. What type of a camera are you using right now? When I first started... I got a basic entry-level DSLR camera, and it cost me $350. I bought it on eBay, and it was a package deal, and I knew nothing about photography. And with that camera, I managed to be published in five bridal magazines by shooting my own work. I had that camera for a couple of years, and I actually gifted it to a friend in the industry. She is a wedding planner. And she was always investing a ton of money in doing very expensive style shoots. And I would say to her, look, take this camera. And, you know, every time that you're out and about and you see things that are inspirational to you and you think you could put something quick together to expand your portfolio, you have a camera that you're able to do that with on a small scale. And then I ended up purchasing a much higher end camera. So the one I've got now is professional level. It cost me two or three thousand dollars but I was able to offset that cost against my business. And it's a tool that I use on a weekly basis. Got it. Are you willing to share what camera you're using? It's a Nikon D800, I think. And I have a 50 millimeter prime lens. And that's pretty much all I use. I take that camera with me everywhere I go. So it's been a fantastic tool for growing my business. Great information. I appreciate your sharing that with us. Now, Rebecca, I'm going to ask you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? I'd love to own my own magazine. I mean, at the moment, I'm an editor and I have a lot of freedom and I love the magazine I work for. But I think it's always been kind of a dream of mine to own my own magazine. So I'd love to do that. Yeah, You sound like a woman who likes to take control. I get that. Yeah, I guess. It's difficult sometimes because, especially if you work for somebody else, you have these creative visions and you just can't implement them. So it can be an obstacle at times, especially if you're very highly creative. But in terms of my cake business, I like exactly where I'm at with my cake business. People always think that you have to keep moving forward and progressing. And it's like, oh, well, don't you wish you had a storefront? Isn't that the ultimate goal? And no, it's not. Your business is exactly what you choose it to be. And you should never feel pressured to take it to that next step. If you're happy with where you're at, I'm typically happy with making one or two cakes a month. I mean, they're big cakes. I make a good profit on every single item that I make. I'm very happy with my work environment, and I'm happy to continue doing that. It works for me. 
you are so, so right. Nothing is saying that you need to get bigger. And oh my gosh, a brick and mortar shop comes with a whole new level of not just challenges, but skills, because then you're going to have to have employees. The costs are higher. It's a totally different ball game. So I really, really am thrilled that you bring that up, that you're happy right where you're at. You're appreciating where you're at. I know you have at least one young child at home. So it fits your lifestyle right now. And who's to say down the road you might want it to be different? Maybe, maybe not. But you're right. You control everything when you're in business for yourself. So I'm glad you bring it up that way that you're happy. And that makes me thrilled that you're just happy and content right there where you are with that. Yeah, I hear from a lot of people, obviously, our magazine publishes a business column. We have a business columnist that deals specifically with cake businesses. And a lot of people get into business. And quite often, a lot of people regret going into business. They worry about, what do I do next? And ultimately, if you choose to get into business, you can choose to get out of business. And you don't have to give up your passion for your craft or your hobby by saying, okay, maybe being a business doesn't work for me. Or only a certain level of business. Like you were saying in the very beginning, when you flip it over to being a business, it changes. Your hobby changes. Yes, it does change. And even for me going and doing high-end wedding cakes, I know in the beginning I said I was doing, you know, 20 frozen cakes and it wasn't fulfilling for me or inspiring. In a sense, that feeling does sort of go with you even when you change to doing, for me, high-end wedding cakes. There's still a certain amount of repetition there. There's still a certain amount of relinquishing creative control. And so I do things for myself on the side. I like to create cakes for myself. And I still consider it to be part of the business because I'm using those cakes as marketing tools. I'm always using them as marketing tools as a way to promote myself, and also as a way to continually improve my skills and stay sharp. If someone wants to see some of the things that you're doing, where is the best place for them to go? A website or Facebook page? Yeah, I update my website very regularly, and it's uh, www.rebeccanaomicakedesign.com. And I have a Facebook page, again, facebook.com forward slash design. And I update my Facebook fairly regularly. I post content quite frequently and I update my website continuously. Perfect, perfect. And Gift Biz listeners, you know there's a show notes page, so we'll have all of that information there waiting for you if for some reason you don't have the time to capture it today. Okay, Rebecca, as we finish up here, I just want to make the point that generosity is when you light someone else's candle with the flame of your own. And that's what you've been doing here in terms of sharing with us your journey, the combination of the magazine with your business, the honesty. You don't really want to grow any bigger right now. Everything is sitting really perfect the way you have everything established. All of these things are so helpful for our listeners just to understand, relate to their situation and so that they can make their decisions as they move forward. So I appreciate so much all of that information. And Rebecca, my wish for you is that someday you get your very own magazine, prompted by you, because you're a go-getter, obviously. And may your candle always burn bright. Thank you very much. (laughs) I would love that. You're welcome. Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know you're set up for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz 
Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting giftbizquiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.